missions and how are we engaged in it. A, a while back, we had uh, a Sunday where we focused on evergreeners out serving. And so this Sunday is going to be a little bit like that too. But we have so many new people that I felt it was important that we share a little bit about Evergreen's sort of philosophical approach to mission specifically. So some of you may or may not know, but in our budget line, about $42,000 a year uh, this past year has gone out to missions. So that would be overseas and local uh, missions. And uh, now that's not where I want it to be. That's over 10% of our overall budget. I have a dream though. The elders don't even know about this, so they're going to give me a lot of trouble. I'd like to see 50%. I'd like to see 50% of the overall budget of Evergreen Heights leaving this place and going into missions. So to us, what is missions and how would we go about meeting that kind of a goal? How would we... Because I think often we spend so much time sort of focusing on us and internally that we forget that there's an out there. And so after... Uh, we have a presentation uh, from YFC. I'm going to share a little bit about what the Bible says about mission. But our philosophy here on mission specifically is that we have uh, sort of core things that we uh, give to. The reason that we do that, the reason we have these sort of anchor causes, we'll call them, is because everybody and their mother wants money. Like we get so much stuff of so many different agencies, of so many different things. We could be writing checks constantly to people. Even if 50%, even if 100% of our budget was going out the door, we could not even accommodate a quarter of the requests that we get from outside agencies. So we had to come up with a missions philosophy. How do we go about doing missions as a church. Now, I'm not talking about just the missions of equipping and sending you specifically, but more agency-wise. And we actually decided to stray away from agencies and to function solely with relationships with people. And so we have these anchor causes. And overseas, our anchor cause would be done through uh, MB Mission, which is now called Multiply. Uh, And so we have some specific missionaries that we support, but their role is to assist in church planting. And so our anchor cause overseas is church planting based. We want to see more churches being planted across the world. And we see that as a priority for Evergreen to give to. And so we have three specific, uh, uh, well, one, two, three, four, five people, two of them are couples. Uh, that we support specifically. And so some of you would know Joanna. Uh, Joanna is going to actually be with us next week. Joanna is going to come up on the screen. I believe it. There she is. And Joanna is going to be with us next week. Joanna is one of our missionaries in Portugal. uh, And Joanna's on uh, furlough where where she's in Canada for uh, from now until Christmas. And so she's actually going to be engaging with us on a regular basis. She's going to be preaching next week. And let me tell you, she's good. Uh, and then she's going to be uh, doing some intercessory prayer stuff uh, during the week, as well as the study that was announced uh, this morning. And so Joanna is really going to be engaging with us. She has her master's degree in theology. Uh, She's quite a bright woman and very, very passionate 
uh, about people coming to the Lord. And so she is our missionary in Portugal. Robert and Anne Thiessen, uh, some of you have met them. They've been here recently as well. They are our missionaries in Mexico. And then Jeremy and Adrian Penner, who were here this past summer, uh, they are in Thailand and uh, Myanmar. Min- is, that how we, is that how you say it? Myanmar, Myanmar, Ma- Myanmar. I, every try I made wasn't right. <laughs> Myanmar? Is that how you say it? Myanmar? Uh, and they were with us this, uh, this, this past summer as well. And so these are our core anchor causes overseas. They are specifically who we support. Now, here's the thing. The reason we're doing individuals, because some people want to do agencies because they believe it's a broader reach. We do individuals because we believe that the, that the relationship matters. And so one of the things that we encourage you to do is to engage with these missionaries. So I have a dream. And that dream is, is for us to have different groups that have adopted Joanna, adopted Robert and Anne, and adopted Jeremy and Adrian, and that you would actually, there's this fancy thing that our denomination has called Zoom. It's kind of like Skype, but it's more stable. And uh, we want to set up a, a once-a-month Zoom call for these group of people where you get to see them on the screen, and you can actually gather with our missionaries, pray with them, and pray for them. And so not just sort of like a letter saying, we're praying for you, but we actually want to engage with them on a once-a-month basis with a small group of people that have dedicated their, themselves to do this time in prayer throughout the month, as well as this one specific time on Zoom. Now, we could do that in a lot of different ways as we logistically roll that out. We'll share that with you. So I want to encourage you, if that's on your heart, if church planting overseas is something that you're interested in and and teaming up with one of these missionaries, uh, then you need to respond to that. And so we'll be in touch with you about that. We're also going to start to Zoom our missionaries into our service where they will come up live on the screen and we will get to hear from them and they're going to pray with us and we're going to pray with them. We need to start engaging with these individuals and developing this kind of a relationship. And it's really good to hear what's going on in Portugal, what's going on in Mexico, and what's going on in that other place that I can't pronounce, (laughs) and Thailand. So that's our anchor cause overseas is, is church planting. Our anchor cause here locally... Uh, is is compassion-based and poverty-based. So essentially, we have two different uh, people. One is an agency. We made an exception, Uh, even though the Haver Camps are here and they're part of Church Out Serving and Adele is is here on and off and she's part of it. So we have lots of you folks. But Church Out Serving is one of our anchor causes here locally. And so we both give money and time and resources and things like that to uh, the work that they do. Uh, And we're going to have them come up and talk uh, on one of these Sundays specifically. And then another anchor cause locally is uh, is Dan Avey and the folks at Youth for Christ. And so there has been uh, a lot. And again, they're usually dealing with at-risk youth. And so that falls under this anchor cause. Do Do you capture the concept of an anchor cause? See, what we had to do was say, what are we actually going to dig into? What are we going to put? So rather than writing like a $100 check here, a $50 check here, $20 here, $500 here, 
what we said was, let's specifically focus on these local agencies and MB mission and these three different missionaries that we have, and let's pour resources, people, prayer, all of that specifically into these specific anchor causes. Now, what that means is it means that we don't always uh, dive into other causes. So there's lots of other things that are wonderful, but they're not part of our anchor cause. They're not uh, dealing specifically maybe with uh, it, impoverished. And then a key piece about what we do with poverty is the concept of bringing dignity. And so that's what we're aiming for. It's not just about necessarily feeding people. It's about feeding people, but bringing dignity by being friends with the people that we're feeding because people are lonely. And so that is kind of our main philosophy uh, here in how we go about doing missions. So back to YFC. Youth for Christ is, and and Dan and Suzanne specifically, uh, we support both financially and with resources. A number of you uh, are on the committee, which Dan will probably point out. Um, They're dealing with at-risk youth, and they've had a lot of different changes happen. They have a new location, which is down by SCS, and Dan will explain a little bit about that. Um, You know, YFC has had its ups and had its downs in its history as an organization, uh, but I'm just really excited about where they are heading right now. So I'm going to invite Dan to come on up and join me, and Dan's going to give a small report, and then I'm going to keep unpacking all this stuff that I'm talking about. You could clap for Dan Avey. Well, welcome uh, to, to hearing a bit about what I, what I do. Uh, those who don't know, me and my wife, Suzanne, can you stand? Even though they can't probably see you still, but uh, that's my wife, uh, whom... Uh, I can't do anything in ministry without, because she helps take care of those two beautiful little children that we have. So uh, I also want to introduce my coworker, Anna, who came today. She's just going to wave. She's sitting beside Suzanne. Um, Just, uh, we have a lot of things going on, have happened within our YFC ministry. I'm going to start off with sharing a story. Uh, One day I'm sitting in the office and teen comes in and he shares with me that they can't go on a tr- family vacation because their power steering in their vans broke and it's going to cost I think he said 50 bucks for a tow and then it's going to be 100 just to look at it and so there goes all the money that they had just to do it and I said well what's wrong with the power steering using the limited knowledge of automotive that my dad taught me I uh, then went to the power of the internet and Googled it, and figured out that it's a fuse. I went, took him to the store, we bought the fuse, took him, put the fuse in, and it was working. Then we f- proceeded to fix his tail light. Then they didn't have screwdrivers, so now he has screwdrivers. Um, <laughs> and then uh, he, then, a, then a cu- couple weeks later, he calls me and goes, yeah, my head, our headlight's out, and Mom doesn't want to drive to uh, Brampton where they have to go for... Uh, her sister for something. So uh, can you help me change the headlight? Sure. So he comes down and we change the headlight. And all this, this family's been able to enjoy life more because I taught them the things my dad taught me to do in the garage. And it was a realization 
that we have a lot of teenagers out there that don't know how to do these things because they don't have dads. They don't have a dad that can come alongside them and teach them those skills. And it's my job to also have, the, have that in their life. YFC changed their, in Canada, changed their mission statement because the other one was too complex to every young person living fully in Christ. It's easy. Just providing a service is not just good enough. We need every young person living fully in Christ. Christ is the anchor of that whole statement. Without Christ and teaching people about Christ, we're not doing what we're called to do. And that's been sort of our locally focused of how we've been analyzing things. So we had a rough stretch, which Jeff alluded to, which saw us, uh, but we went to a place of recovery. And in that recovery, we were just gearing up to get ready to launch again. So come this last year, um, came February, uh, I still wasn't ready to make the move yet because I'm slow. But uh, I was running these lunch bunches at S for SES Kids, which was me driving my white vehicle up beside the post office, cranking open the back and serving pizza out of it. As funny as it was, the kids loved it, and they would come. And we even had the principal come out and talk to us and stuff because he thought it was interesting. So it was fun. But then this was about the middle of December. It got, we just stopped for Christmas. Then after Christmas, we had a snow day. We had, I went away, we went away to our regional conference. We come back, they're in exams. After that, two more snow days on Wednesdays. It had gone three months since we had had relationship with teens in that program. And I just said, enough. And I went to God in prayer and I said, God, this has to change. And on this snow day, I come driving in and I drive by this building that I've looked at a hundred million times and said, no. And God went, take a look. I went in, I took a look, I walked out in tears because it would work. A, it would work. B, if you remember the, the, the old youth center on Pond Street, me being funny, thinking that I wanted to liven the kids up, painted it lime green. The new building's lime green. I was, I was excited because I was like, well, God, you've told me that lime green's a good color for these kids, so I'm going to have to follow you. So we proceeded down that road, and we, as of... Uh, April 1st, we moved into 32 Union Street, which is a cro- which is the closest building you can get to the high school in, in Simcoe, other than the post office, which I had looked at 15 years ago. So it was good. It was Our lunch branch started to grow. Now we're getting 15 to 20 kids out on a Wednesday that come in, play pool, talk. That, we don't just stop the relationship with them coming in and, and talking. We were trying to get them to come into other activities, so we started a Tuesday girls group with Dan and Anna. Don't know how I get to lead a girls group, but that's interesting. I don't lead. I'm just the, I just sit in the office so that we hit policy. Um, then uh, the kids come in, and they just love it. The first week back in September, uh, they come in, and I'm still on holidays, and they come into Anna. They have lunch bunch, and they go, where's Dan? And is like, what? No. And then they wanted to play pool. And then they go, do we have to go back to school or can we stay and play pool? 
<laughs> I wasn't there to tell them that they had to go back to school, but they did go back to school because Anne is such a better staff than me. Um, we also have been blessed to uh, work alongside Fanshawe College. Fanshawe, for the last couple of years, have been having social service worker co-ops, and they keep sending us social service workers to work. This summer, we had four of them for international students. And uh, the one event we do with our Y Waterford was a cooking. And Anna did, uh, they did a gourmet chef, master chef uh, craft dinner. And the international students put their flavors to it, which totally was, a, it was unique, different, but everyone loved it. I wasn't there. So that's also a blessing in that, because me and craft dinner, it has to be just plain. Uh, but this has also brought upon us the realization that we needed more staff. We knew that just Anna and me working with the limited, because I also coach basketball. That's another major ministry of mine in Waterford. I've been coaching there for over 10 years. My first t- team I coached actually was uh, Nate Breedike in Dover. And then I, so that tells you, he's now older. Like, he tells me he's in his 30s. I just don't believe it because I'm not that old. Um, But we, anyways, realizing we need more staff because our true goal is to reach every young person in Norfolk County to have the opportunity to make an informed decision about Jesus Christ. And, And for that to happen, we need more workers. So we went out and hired two new staff in June that are in their raising of deputation, which is they're just raising support of friends and family and church members to be able to serve in ministry. We've hired a youth center director, so they'll take over the building because I've been told I'm a satellite director, not a youth center director. So there's two different roles there. Uh, I've just been doing all, I do three roles all at once for some reason. And... It's time we just became one so that I can have a family life. Uh, so anyway, so we've hired a youth center director and a ministry staff. And the beauty of the ministry staff is she has a, we hired her, then she decided to move. And in that move, she moved to Delhi to be across the road from the high school. Which so happens to be where my other staff, Anna, lives. We have two staff that have houses on the s- sides of the high school. And we have Delhi, which has a very weak, as if like, evangelical presence. I'm just going to say very weak because I think there's two evangelical churches in Delhi. And they have a youth group with maybe 10. Delhi needs our prayers as a community, as does Simcoe. So this is all the things that we've put together in realizing where God's moving. And that has led us to really focusing on developing our strategic directions. We realize that Norfolk, we have little engagement of social activities, which have been highlighted by social media, internet, and decline in church youth and social clubs. Teens think they are communicating when they are texting, Snapchatting, and whatever else they employ. They don't know what true communication is. We don't know what true communication is. When we respond to things via text message only and not when we have problems, email fights. Email fights are not true like paper fights even because you can't, they're just words on a page. Because the realization 
that 7% of communication is, is actually words, 38% is tonality, and 55% is body language. So to truly communicate with someone, you have to be in the same room. So we can't use technology more than person or we're losing way more than half the communication. So that's what our realization was. We needed more people. Reagan, this summer we had the pleasure of also hiring a summer student, and we hired Reagan. And so Reagan's going to come up and share a bit about her summer and some other stuff that she got to do. And, uh, yeah, and then I'll come up and close up. Hello. <laughs> I haven't been up here in a while, so hi. I miss you. <laughs> um, so this summer, I got the opportunity to work alongside Dan and Anna, as well as the international co-op students, who are sweethearts. I love them all. Um, but I was really encouraged to kind of step back and look at the interactions between youth with youth. It's kind of different um, when you get, like, a father figure or someone older than you giving you advice and talking to you about things than having someone your age who's kind of going through it as well. Um, so along with that, this summer we went um, did numerous day trips. We did Canada's Wonderland, Wild Waterworks, um, Niagara Falls, that type of thing. And um, it provided Dan, Anna, and I with the opportunity to sit down with these kids, normally in a vehicle where they're trapped, but they still were willing to talk to us. <laughs> um, and the conversations that took place were eye-opening in the sense of the openness these kids were willing to have. Um, they were willing to share stuff with us because they genuinely wanted to share it, because they wanted to share with us. And I think that connection is very, very important. And it, it comes from a point of putting yourself in their shoes and thinking back, I was their age once. How was that? And um, as a teen, I got that opportunity to be in that age. So it's like, oh, you're going through that? I went through it two months ago. Like, here's what I did. <laughs> so that was really fun. I really liked that aspect of my job this summer. Um, along with that is this project that I kind of really took as my baby. <laughs> um, but it's teenlink.ca. It's a website that um, I've started defining as an empowerment, support, and resource hub for teens of Norfolk. So on this website, they can find information on the services available to them in Norfolk, um, things for mental wellness, addiction, housing. There's crisis services information on there. Um, but not only that, there's it, it lays out the community groups we have here to really get across that there are stuff for them to do. Um, as a teen in Norfolk, there's not a whole lot when you just look around. <laughs> we have a crappy movie theater and a crappy mall. <laughs> what else are you going to do? So Teen Link kind of has its own section where it highlights the different community groups. Um, there's recreational groups, arts and culture, social groups, including youth groups. Ours is on there. You can go find out about it. Um, so there's literally something, everything for every teen, whether they're needing help and assistance, guidance, or whether they're just wanting to get involved. Um, 
So yeah, I think that's important in getting across to teens because um, there's not a whole lot out there in Norfolk. So having it all on one site, you don't have to search through numerous things, find nothing. <laughs> it's all right there for them. So getting these out to the kids in high school, I feel like just provides them with the support that's kind of lacking. <laughs> um, so yeah, I really loved working alongside Dan and Anna too. They have the same mindset of what I just kind of explained. And so Teen Link was very supported and there's a lot of community, um, other community groups that want to be involved and help because this is a community thing. Um, it takes a lot to raise a kid. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Trust me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but being involved in your community is, is very, very important. And a lot of the things I've learned, a lot of the experiences I've been able to have come from the community that I was raised in and that I was supported by. So teens that don't have that, I feel bad for. Um, it's, it's key. So, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Reagan. Uh, you know, uh, her first day on the job, uh, the joke was she was working for her dad because she had to go get coffee. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, we, I believe that it, this church has been very involved in our ministry for the number of years. We've had the advisory committee. I mean, the, Phil's not here because I don't see him. Uh, but then there's uh, Jeff and uh, John, and I think that's it from here now. And me, that's, I think there's just the four of us that are here. Uh, so we all are working on our banquet right now. And uh, that's why I wanted to highlight our banquet. We have Shane and Angela Weeb coming. Uh, Shane is a YFC missionary out of Stratford. He also was a finalist in the Canadian Idol many years ago. He's, uh, the tickets are available uh, from the committee members I shared. Or you can see Anna will be out there. She can talk to you at our booth. We have our booth set up where there's other information. You can get involved, find out more about us if you want to have more questions. If you want to get involved, we love volunteers. Volunteers are, are our backbone. We need uh, ministry volunteers as well as we need uh, fundraising volunteers because we can't run things without people. And, uh, yeah. But I have... I'm going to share one story before I'm done. I have a mentor who, uh, who's nearing his time of meeting Jesus. He has cancer, and they've decided to stop the treatment because he's progressed so far. He's all good with it. He, this man, he, he's uh, going to go home to see God, and it's what he's lived his whole life for. So he's, like, really excited about this next stage. The rest of us are all sad because we're going to miss the relationship. But this man was like a second father to me. Uh, this man picked me and my two brothers up from when I was seven until I was 15. For eight years, his family would drive by and every Sunday get us into their vehicle and bring us to church because my parents didn't go to church. He just wanted to do it. But, he shot, but this man taught me to share my faith and follow God with obedience to take risks just for the kingdom and not to worry about where everything else was going to come from. So 
as sad as it is to let him go, it's a model I caught, and now I get to teach young people. I share my faith and help encourage them in their faith. I encourage each of you to share your faith as we go forth. Sharing our faith is what is the difference to our church, to our community, to the world, is sharing our faith. It's so easy for us to just chalk it up as, oh, that things were luck. I'm going to share my, our air conditioner at the youth center broke when I went on holidays. I didn't know it was broke. I came back. We sat in a committee meeting. It was like 85 in there. I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. So I go out back, and sure enough, there's a relay switch that's out back that had been removed. So I went to three different electricians and asked them about showing them the picture, and they're like, I can't help you. I can't help you. You got to replace the whole thing. So I come back to the youth center, and there's these guys that are working on the roof because it has a, our roof has a minor leak and our landlord had someone there fixing it. And I just showed him the picture. I said, yeah, this is, I told him my story. And the guy looked at it and he goes, I seen that it's on the roof. He literally gets a ladder off his truck, puts it on the back, climbs up, goes on, picks up the piece, brings it down. It is the exact piece that go the relay switch. I pop it in. We have air conditioning again. I quickly go get a lock for that box. Uh, <laughs> But the point is, we could. some people say, oh, weren't you lucky? Wasn't that a coincidence? No, that was God. God showed up and said, no, let's take care of it. And our landlord is so much more happier that he didn't have to go and spend the money on it. So it looks good to him. But we have a God that needs to be honored. Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thanks, Dan. Um, so YFC being one of our anchor causes, along with, uh, with Church Out Serving... I really feel deals with a, a broad spectrum of what this community needs. And so specifically with Youth for Christ, they're dealing with uh, teenagers and at-risk uh, youth. And imagine, as Dan shared in his story, that somebody picked him up, not a church kid, but somebody took the time to pick him up every Sunday and take him to church and teach him and disciple him, and then we have him dedicating his life to being a missionary. Imagine that. Imagine that, right? Like, it it really, folks, is that simple to do mission. We make it far too complicated. It's really that simple. Respond to the nudgings that Jesus gives you, and God will work amongst us. Now, Dan uh, and Anna are actual missionaries. What that means is they have like zero job security. It's not like they go and they work at Stelco or DeFasco or, or Toyatsu and they get like standards, you know, paid so much per hour with benefits or without benefits or they don't have pensions. They don't have like any of that stuff. They raise their money individually so that people can empower them to do their ministries. Let me ask you, how much of your money goes to you 
and how much of your money goes to God's mission. If you feel like you want to support Dan or you want to know more about what Dan and Anna are doing, they're going to be at a table at the back today. Uh, And so honestly, if God's nudging you for that, they're always in uh, in need all the time. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, attend the banquet, you get fed, you get entertained, uh, and they raise funds to do the work that they do. The costs are higher now because they have their facility. Uh, Here's another uh, little nudge I want to give you too. I've been at churches for a number of years, and I've sat in board meetings of churches and missions meetings of churches and so on. And one of the questions that we often ask is, what are we getting for our money? I'm going to ask you to stop asking that question because that's up to God. What we're called to do is to respond to a nudging of the Holy Spirit and then pray. Because we responded, we've given it to God. It's no longer ours. And guess what? It wasn't ours in the first place. God is sort of like the, the, the federal government. <laughs> See, the federal government doesn't, they just, they believe all money belongs to them. No, this is, talk to your tax guy. They'll tell you this. The federal government believes that all money belongs to them. It's theirs. They printed it. They own it. It's theirs. Not one cent of it is actually yours. They let you keep some. Right? We do taxes. And so they say, we're going to let you keep this amount of your income so that you're able to live and do your things. This isn't a joke. That's exactly how they look at it. Guess what? God's the same way. Not one penny that you earn is actually yours. It was all given to you by God. All of it. If you ever have said that God is sovereign, you just declared that God has everything. It's all his. And so we live very blessed in North America. And so I just want to, I'm not usually a money guy or things like that, but like it's time. It's time that we start uh, actually living on mission. And that's our time, that's our money, and that's focusing on what the Bible actually calls us to do. So let's take a really quick look at what that is. Ten minutes. In the book of Acts, there's a really interesting passage that I want to uh, work off of this morning. So what has happened in this passage is Jesus has gone to the cross, he has suffered, he has died, and he has now reappeared. He has risen from the dead, and he has reappeared to his apostles. And listen to what he says. So they were commanded to go to Jerusalem and to wait. That's what Jesus had told them. Go to Jerusalem and wait, because the Father is going to send you the gift that he promised. Now, this is a gift that Jesus has talked about a lot, but the the disciples don't really fathom it. They don't really understand that. I would actually argue that neither do we as disciples understand truly what this gift really is that he is about to give to his people. And so we enter the story where Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, and they watch this actually happen. Like, this is not a movie. This is not a make-believe story. This is Jesus in the flesh ascending to heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And listen to what Jesus says to them. Now, the apostles, they ask a very typical human question. 
In verse 6 of chapter 1, it says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him. They kept asking him repetitively. They're asking. Listen to what they're asking. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? All this time that they have been working with Jesus, walking with him for three years, they have not listened to a word that Jesus has said. Because they wouldn't have asked such an idiotic question. Folks, I need you to hear this. They are stupid, just like us. And the reason I say that is because all they hear is, you're going to conquer the world, you're going to make us the greatest nation. They are stuck, shaped in what their religion has taught them, Judaism. And the whole time that Jesus, and I'm going to be walking you through this when we get into the following Jesus sermon series, of how much they didn't listen, how much they didn't hear what it was that he taught about what it was to follow him. So constantly they're like, hey, you you know, you're going to make us the greatest nation ever, right? When when are you going to conquer the world? When are you going to... Does this sound familiar at all? What does the Christian church often do? Fight causes. Right? I won't get too deep into that. I've done that before and it gets me emails. But they keep asking this simple question, right? Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Listen to what Jesus says. And folks, people who have bought books on this, you can return them. The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. The Father alone is the one who has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. How many people have bought books on this? When's the end times happen? It must be soon. Literally, Scripture is saying you're not going to know. So what that does, folks, is sets a new trajectory on how we go about living our faith. And listen to what Jesus says. He says, but you will receive power So that would be insinuating that we can't do this on our own. You're going to need to receive power. You're going to need to receive something in order to live the life of following Jesus. You can't do it on your own. And that power, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So when you believe, the Spirit then begins to live in you. And then what does he say that we will be? Not the greatest potluck givers, Not the greatest social club. Not the largest attendance in the history of Simcoe. None of those, none of that garbage, right? Not not like people who come and vacuum the carpet or or serve in, in these different ways that I find needed but weird. He says, and you will be what? My witnesses. Oh my goodness. You will be my witnesses, empowered by the Holy Spirit, telling people about me everywhere. And then he shows us what everywhere is. In Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus Christ put us on a mission. And the mission wasn't to sit comfy and be entertained. But unfortunately, the North American church 
sits comfy, and asks to be entertained. Which is what makes the North American church the most ineffective missions group in the world. It's really simple what the Bible says, folks, that our mission as Christians is. And it's really simple how we do it. We do it through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit because we can't do it on our own. If we did it on our own, we wouldn't do it because we're naturally centered in self. That's a theological fact. comes out of Genesis chapter 3. You will be my witnesses. You will tell people about me. You will be my witnesses. I need you to hear this. And you will tell people about me. Dan read the Great Commission about going and making disciples. Folks, what we do here on a Sunday morning is simple. In our visioning process, which you're going to hear more about in the new year, we've come up with three basic things that we do here on a Sunday morning. We encourage, we equip, and we connect so that you can live on mission. It doesn't stop here. This is where you gain the encouragement, the equipping, and the connections that you need to live your life on mission Monday through Saturday. That's what Jesus Christ developed the church to be. People on mission. You know what that means? We are incapable of walking past somebody in a bad situation. If the Holy Spirit's in you, you are not capable of fluffing that off. There's a, a, a thing that I wrote a sermon on this years ago, and I may preach it here one day, and I called it a holy discontent. I believe that all of you have a holy discontent in your heart. And that that holy discontent is the thing that the Spirit is doing to point you toward the area of mission that you need to focus on in your life. Simple way to know what your holy discontent is. What ticks you off about our world? And I don't mean like teenagers or bad drivers. What I mean is, what about poverty? Does that make you angry? Does it make you angry that we have such a drastic scale in our world of the the poor, the middle class, and the rich? Does that stir you up? Well, then guess what? You've got a holy discontent that you need to respond to. You need to make a difference. Is it it, uh, some other type of issue in our society that you just can't stand? then the Spirit is calling you folks to do something about it. Is it that you can't stand that there are people that are hungry? Which blows my mind in North America. We throw food out, and yet people are hungry. And then then what we do, and I worked in the homelessness and addiction sector for several years, and then what we do out of naivety is we say, well, they chose to be that way. They just made bad decisions. You've obviously known no one that is in those circumstances. 
because that was not my experience when I got to know lots of folks that were in that circumstance. Not one of them wanted to be there. Not one of them chose to be there. A lot of it was driven by circumstances that were out of their control. Maybe it was a father who beat them or an uncle who sexually abused them. Maybe it was just that they lost their job. Did you know that we are one paycheck away from, from bankruptcy most of the time? Most of us? Folks, we are called to tell people about Jesus. We are called to, to respond to our holy discontent. This is why I want 50% of our money going out the door. We're not doing so good because we've got to pave a parking lot. <laughs> but I believe that you can do that kind of stuff and still have 50% leaving. I really do. And that's just the financial. I also want 100% of us going. So 50% of our money leaving and 100% of us going. Every one of us needs to be serving outside of this church somewhere. Serving in the church is just part of the helping with equipping, encouraging, and connecting. But being on mission is serving outside of these walls. So whether you jump on board and you help because you have a holy discontent with where the youth are in our community and you want to help youth for Christ, or whether you uh, have a holy discontent about the fact that people are struggling to eat, maybe you should get involved then in our first serving ministry through cost. If you uh, have a a, a green thumb and you're able to help cost with the the gardens, uh, they have numerous gardens around that help to feed people. If you uh, struggle with kids hanging out in basements talking on a headset, then maybe you need to empower YFC in the youth center to get the kids out to shoot pool and actually talk face-to-face. What is your mission? It's very simple. Tell people about Jesus, the gospel. What is your holy discontent? That is the mission that God is putting you specifically on. So why do people like Dan, like the Haver Camps, like Joanna, like the Teesons, like the Penners, why do they choose to serve the way that they do? Because that is their holy discontent. That is the thing that God has placed in their hearts and said, you need to go and you need to do it. Now, in their cases, they've chosen to do it uh, quite literally in person. Some of you may choose to do it uh, financially, whatever that may be. But it is time for the church to be on mission. That's why I want to focus on some of the different folks. We have Simon who's in Haiti right now. And I said to him, you know, why didn't you tell me we would have prayed for you? He's like, well, yeah, yeah, I don't really like that much attention. (laughs) It's a holy discontent. Who who just decides I'm going to start a ministry in Haiti? You got to have this Holy Spirit thing going on in your heart. That's what scripture says it is. You'll receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses 
telling people about me everywhere. That's the mission of the church. Go and make disciples. Or if we want to go back to Genesis, be a blessing. Remember that sermon? Every interaction you have with anybody, ask yourself a very simple question. Was I a blessing? If the answer is no, you need to dig into your relationship with Christ. We're called to be a blessing to the nations, to tell the world about Jesus Christ. Not just me. You don't have to be like an evangelist or a pastor. We are called to go, to make disciples. And we, as the pastoral staff, have dedicated our lives to connect you, to equip you, and to encourage you. And so I'm encouraging you this morning with a very, very simple passage. Go and be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So that means here in Simcoe, in Norfolk County, in Ontario, across Canada, across North America, and everywhere else. What is it that God's nudging you to do this morning?